there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Oh, boy. If there's ever a time we need a Dr. Batar, it's today, and thankfully he is in. Dr. Batar, how are you in the midst of the craziness that you don't pay attention to, lucky you, on the media? <laughs> well, it is. Uh, it's, it's been a very, very busy day, and you're right. I have not paid attention to any media. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and that's the healthy thing. We transmute it for you so you don't have to, and I'm happy to serve that role. The question Isn't I have, though. Is it funny, Robert, that I rely on my news for anything that's going on that's relevant in the world? based upon the medical rewind advanced medicine Monday. <laughs> I think it's a healthier way to get the news personally. That's just me. I personally, yeah, you know, it's more efficient for me. I know that. Yeah, and I think the people around the world do appreciate the way we can take that and transmute it and into something that's typically very positive, even though we've got to cover some things that, that are putting people in a state of panic, that are burning out their adrenals, that are weakening their immune system. And i got to ask the question, of course, your patient population is, much more aware than most anybody else's. But are they still bringing up the issue of Ebola when we get started here? Has anybody mentioned it to you at all? Not one single patient. That is so impressive. I'm telling you, it's so impressive. If you're, It's like you're in this bubble or a cocoon of protection because they know better. But the fear out there, of course, the way it's being fomented in the mainstream media and even government pronouncements of confusion is that this thing is spreading like a wildfire. It's out of control. It's uncontainable. We're sending troops to Africa as if that's going to do something. We've got reports from Fort Detrick that they've said it's like the influenza A virus. Yet, yet, the way the CDC is validating that anybody here in America has this so-called Ebola virus is via PCR, which we know is not an adequate technique to identify an infectious agent, according to the man who developed it, Kerry Mullis. He got the Nobel Prize for it. Yep, yep. No, it's it's uh, it is crazy. Not one single patient has mentioned it. Nobody's uh, voiced a concern. Nobody has stated anything. I I have a bigger issue in my clinic with patients with uh, just being very very sensitive to everything from electromagnetic radiation and some of these other things. It's more the environment that we're creating, and that's mm-hmm. a bigger concern and, and a bigger issue that we have to deal with than any of these other pseudo, you know panic type things that people are creating and it's like an illusion as we've talked about before yes um, I, I, didn't, I didn't even hear about this sending troops to africa is, is that were you being facetious or is that serious no no i'm serious they, they're sending like three thousand troops and we we had a white house senior advisor uh audio clip last hour talking about that that's the you know they're the best they know how to do command and containment and i'm thinking command and containment the military isn't it designed to kill people and break things not contain a virus you know, in Africa? I mean, how is that their job? Unless they're planning on containing people within a certain community, kind of like the movies that they have, Contagion and some of these movies where they blocked off towns, keeping people from coming out, and that way they could keep a uh, more of a cloak over everything and not let media get in there, not let people get in there that could really expose what was really happening, and they would continue to do some strange things. I don't remember what the basis of the movie was. You, you probably Sure, no, but in, the, in that way, containing is different than, let's say, containing a violent uh, fringe wing of an extremist group of some kind. We're now talking about at least what they're claiming 
is a virus that's out of control. But as I've stated here, and John Rappaport has another excellent article in, in just questioning. It's like if they've identified Ebola here, you think they could take it out of the blood of a patient and find, you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of replicant copies, isolate and go, yeah, this guy's really sick. But they have to go to the extreme lengths of PCR to maybe posit that it's there. That doesn't make sense to me. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So we're we're at a point of saying, okay, yes, people are sick, people are getting sick, people have been getting sick since there have been people on planet Earth. When do we come to our senses and acknowledge what you said, the law of the terrain, the the environment being the key here, and that if if something is going to manifest as devastating as what's happening in, in West Africa, where they have abject poverty, selenium and other mineral deficiencies, uh, toxicological issues based on contaminated water, and uh, you know no sewage sanitation, basic hygiene issues. If it's gotten that bad that here in America we're that susceptible, it doesn't take something from Africa to wipe us out. Yeah, something a lot closer to home getting wiped out. That's absolutely true. And, and could it be the next vaccine that puts us over the edge? into massive, uh, let, let's say, toxicological body responses, including fever and coughing and all the things that they say are associated with Ebola. And then they could claim it's Ebola. wouldn't have to be. It just has to mimic it. And now they're saying influenza A is like it. So now this year's flu season becomes an Ebola season. Right. It's not something that's new. It's not something that's uh, original. They've done this with the H1N1. They did this with the bird flu. They did this with the swine flu. They've done this with... You know, seasonal flus, uh, the the story goes on and on and on. It's a repetition of the same story. Remember, H1N1 was going to take out, according to the press conference that was held, I believe, in November of 2010 when uh, Obama said that the population of the U.S. would have a 20% hit. There would be mm-hmm. 60 million Americans that would die. They were planning on, you remember that with the H1N1? They were planning oh, on yeah. that type of, uh, mass casualties. Well, it was, it was obviously the H1N1 vaccine that was going to cause that problem because obviously we know that nothing happened, but that's because the masses ridiculed the message and refused to accept it. Right. The state of Washington and the state of New York had two different nursing associations that filed lawsuits and went all the way to the Supreme Court regarding the unconstitutionality of the uh, mandation of uh, getting the H1N1 vaccine. All over right. the world, people refused it. Well, and, and, and th- this is this is what greatly concerns me. Not the Ebola virus that may or may not even be here, based on again the PCR and CDC incompetence in government. Sure, that's very real as well. But the thing that concerns me is just like you said, they failed in in previous efforts to to soften the public to accept these experimental vaccines. But this Ebola thing, because of the vicious visual nature of bleeding out of the eyes and orifices is capturing the imagination plus the zombie movies. My wife has you know, watched some movies on Netflix recently from like three or four years ago, and she says it's weird, but these movies were referencing Ebola three or four years ago. And it's like in Hollywood they're starting to get these scripts, and we've, we've covered stories that the CDC actually sends advisors to Hollywood to help with scripts related to medical issues. And I say, there's some weird stuff going on here years before it manifests the way it is this year. Well, that's true. We talked about Mercury Rising, and that mm-hmm. was a movie that came out in 1996 about the child with autism that broke the National Security Agency's code and the government's after him trying to kill him. So I, I'm not um, I'm not surprised that they are messages that are being sent from beforehand. But 
you know, to alleviate some of your concern, the one good thing is that the H1N1, when they tried to do that, it was the public's awareness, uh, and we are four years more involved now than we were back then, it was the public's awareness that prevented those 60 million deaths from occurring, the fact that people just absolutely refused to take the H1N1 vaccine. And you're right, now they've just upped the game, and they've mm-hmm. maybe more sensationalized it, and... Um, there's more scripting, like you said, with Hollywood. Maybe maybe H1N1 was just supposed to be a dry run. Who knows? But um, you're right. There there are strange things afoot, and you know we're hopefully going to be able to rely on the masses not being unaware and right. and more people than not being uh, fully intact into, from a cognitive standpoint and realize what's happening. Because you remember H1N1. The interesting thing about H1N1 was also that there was a patent that was filed, if I'm not mistaken, by Baxter, mm-hmm. uh, nine or ten months prior to the first H1N1 case ever being documented. So now how does somebody document, the first, how does somebody patent a virus that doesn't even exist, and how do you patent a virus, period? Did a patent a virus that doesn't right. exist nine or ten months before the first case, and now all of a sudden they're also the ones that come up with a solution to this vaccine for, for, uh, that basically negates this virus. So, well, there you, know, you go asking the good questions again. Yeah, you know, they say that uh, from a forensic standpoint, follow the money. You know, forensic mm-hmm. accounting is a, is a way to find out who's really got the motivation to make something happen, right? Yeah, well, some people have claimed, oh, they only patent it because they want to be able to know who's experimenting with what, and it's the only way they can figure it out. I'm like, yeah, I think your, your, your imagination is stretched to the point of thin credulity at that, at that moment. So uh, I think there are so many questions that we have to ask, and you're right, following the money is so very important here. The fact that they've attempted to soften the public in years past and failed, and they had to up the ante basically to the zombie apocalypse level, and they're playing it out. And my concern is that, you know, what, what is that magic number of people that have to be aware to keep this from happening? Yeah, and that's a good question to ask. Hopefully, um, the action that the public takes or the lack of action that the public takes will answer that question right oh yeah yeah well exactly so here we are doing our level best each week it's advanced medicine monday the medical rewind you go to medicalrewind.com if you ever miss a show with dr batar it's the easiest way to plug in and then uh, have immediate links to all the other things and we have him linked up of course in the show notes at robertscottbell.com uh, if you want to call in and uh, ask a question of Dr. Batar this hour, we're open, 866-939-2355. We may hear from Jeffrey Ofter, Heidi, uh, from Vactruth later in the show because there's a big, big uh, story coming out of India related to the Gates Foundation and the foundations that they fund to promote vaccinations in India. Some illegal experimentation going on over there. Uh, so stand by for that. Now, we got a, a couple of minutes before our first break. I want to bring up this other story that's making the rounds, and people are scratching their heads about it. This thing called enterovirus D68. Now, they say enteroviruses are very common. They're not necessarily new. They're typically respiratory. Uh, when you think of entero, you think of uh, the uh, intestinal system, though, as well. But they're claiming now a four-year-old, perfectly healthy four-year-old, who happened to have pink eye, died from the enterovirus D68. Yeah, I heard about the story uh, off the air when you were mentioning it. Um, you know, enteroviruses are very common, and... I did not review the story, Robert, so I can't really comment on it that much, but I can tell you that it's a very strange thing to say that 
somebody got one of these viruses and died from a perfectly healthy child. There's no such thing as a perfectly healthy individual with an intact immune system that can become exposed to a virus and then suddenly die. Now, mm-hmm. yes, there can be many, many people that have compromised immune systems that become, uh, they get into a situation where their uh, immune systems are, are compromised and they get uh, exposure to something and then they can die. And it happens all the time. We see this with even diabetics that are immunocompromised and they become very susceptible to infections. And in fact, even the HIV type of people, you know, with that type of scenario, it's because their bodies have been run down so much. But a healthy intact immune system, no. Right, so. right. Well, let's continue this discussion to try to put this to rest if we can, because I think the play is to try and frighten parents into thinking that even if their kid is healthy, they're susceptible. But that is a lie, and we'll explain how and why that is a lie that you don't want to succumb to. Don't fall prey to it. Dr. Rasha Batar is here. His book, international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking it to the streets of the people of planet Earth all over the place here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine, MedicalRewind.com. Check it out if you miss a show with Dr. Rasha Bittar. And, of course, his international best-selling book will calm your fears if you still have any about this and so many other issues of disease. And it's called The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. By the way, Dr. Bittar, it's good to have friends, uh, of course, you, and sometimes you admit it too, Ty Bollinger. He's coming out with the next quest for the cures. I got a sneak preview of the first episode. You're in it again and uh, nailed it. And I, it's just such a, an amazing episode going through the history of how we got here. It's, it's, a, it's a life changer for people that are in that state of fear that concerns me so much. That's pretty cool. Um, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't actually remember, uh, unless Ty did all the film that he did from the first segment, that must have been what it was. When we first came out, if you remember, he uh, did uh, about an hour and a half, two hours of videotape. Yeah, so he, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't use it all. But there's so much good stuff from you. I saw I another interview. I was like, dude, it is great. And I'm just telling you, if you haven't signed up, it's free to watch it when it comes out in a couple of weeks. And Ty's going to be hosting uh, Outside the Box on his own because i got to fly to Seattle to do an event out there. But uh, coming Wednesday, check it out. But, yeah, very excited for that. And I'm glad that uh, you're, you're still in there given the great wisdom that you have. So uh, on the issue of the law of the train again, the fear is they're trying to throw at parents. You know, you could do everything right. Your kid could be 100% healthy. But look, see what happens? A little harmless, semi-harmless enterovirus is going to kill them, little Johnny, unless you give them a flu shot or something. And it's just not true, but they say it and they get away with it until, of course, we're on the air. Yeah, it is very, very disturbing, Robert. That's about the only way you can even put it. It's very disturbing because it is fear-mongering. It is trying to create um, panic in parents. And obviously every parent, every reasonable parent, wants to protect their child. And if they don't understand and they're not aware and they're ignorant of the facts, they're going to do what most parents will, which is, well, I'm not a doctor, and if that's what the doctor's saying, then obviously the doctor's not going to want to hurt my child, so obviously this is the best thing I should do for my child. But, you know, this comes back to the same message we've we've talked about over and over again for, you know, over four, what, three years, over four years, almost four years now, mm-hmm. uh, and that is that you must take control. 
of the situation yourself. You must be vested in your own. Uh, no, nobody's going to be vested in your child more than you are. Nobody's going to be vested in your home equity, in your savings, in your whatever. You have to take care of it yourself. To expect somebody else to be the protector is just an illusion, and it's you know you're setting yourself up for failure. So mm-hmm. it behooves that individual to spend a little bit of time. Now with the internet, there's so much information, and, and they can easily educate themselves on really what the vaccines are, and then make an informed decision. It's all about informed right. decisions. Uh, you know, if a person goes through this material and they read it, and then they say, you know what, I want to take the risk. Hey, that's your choice. That's that's why God gave us a brain so we can make our own choices. That's why we live in a free nation, right? So we can make our choices. But Mm -hmm. be informed at least first before you make that type of choice. Right, but the information that's not available to them because they have been conditioned to believe it's only the experts. If you have a PhD or an MD or something by your name, can you figure this stuff out? And that's just not true either. I mean, if you think about this in in enterovirus, you know, they're saying a healthy kid, perfectly healthy kid has been either paralyzed or killed by it. And yet they don't acknowledge that he had an infection, even though they say it, they pretend he didn't, which means he wasn't perfectly healthy. Did he have a recent round of four-year-old vaccination catch-ups or, or anything like with polio? That could have contributed oh, to it. Antibiotics. It, it, it absolutely. That, these are huge things, Robert. Huge things. This is kind of like when they talk about all the violent crimes that have been committed by the high school student that shot up you know, 10, 20 different people in his high school or in a movie theater. They don't ever talk about the fact that these people weren't, on antidepressants and antipsychotic medication, that they were given Paxil or Prozac. They never talk about that. But all these kids, all these young adults that have committed some type of a heinous crime, they were all on a mind-altering prescribed drug taken as directed. And so they never talk about that aspect. And this is the same thing. We need to make sure people are informed and aware that, look, you got to look at all the history. Um, and, and this child obviously didn't have uh, everything normal if he did then why you know why was he why did he have the pink eye in the first place but i mean again if pink eye is not pink eye is not the problem i mean everybody needs to understand that that just shows that there was something going on with the kid's immune system right and exactly. you know there are strange anomalies that occur but i would venture to say that if you start looking into the history of this child you would end up seeing that there was some type of a history with a, a substance that was given to this child sure that, Depress his immune system. He probably had all his childhood vaccines. He probably had uh, some some other components going on, and his immune right. system was rendered, you know, ineffective, basically. Well, and the headline reads it caused his death, but then they say four people infected with the with the virus have been in, have died in recent weeks. But it's not clear what role, if any, the virus played. So if you read down into it, it's not as cut and dry as they'd like you to believe. When we come back. We'll talk about the dangers of vaccines some more. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert, 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 Scott, 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 Bell. Let's take a walk on the wild side. You're everywhere, baby. Radio, TV, the papers. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Robert Scott Bell. 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 All right, real quick, if you're just tuning in, again, we're so impressed with uh, Dr. Batar's patient uh, population. Not one asked him about the Ebola issue. And if you're paying attention to the news, of course, that's all anyone's talking about. And, of course, we are part of that media. That's why we have to cover it and alleviate a lot of the fear that induces disease as well. 
And I just want to point out a John Rappaport article about the Ebola test. Let the tests inventor speak. Going back to Kerry Mullis, the Nobel Prize winner who developed PCR, and what he says about the ability of that test to determine an infectious agent. Go read it. And you'll understand why we're saying whatever it is people are suffering from, it's not one Ebola virus. So just had to bring that out again because there's so much misinformation out there. Now, yeah, there's back to, a lot of misinformation and the reliance on that misinformation to perpetuate itself and then the, the herd mentality to take over and the spent, a stampede that occurs and then people get crushed in that stampede type of thing. Yes, that, and that is indeed how we say if you scream a lie loud enough frequently or even whisper it long enough and it kind of enters the subconscious, all they have to do is like light that one match and then there is that mass stampede. And that's what they are literally, I see this, trying to make happen. And, and again, we don't say people are not sick and they don't suffer. It happens. People die. That's not the issue. The issue is, is it the reason that they are claiming? And when you get into yeah. the underbelly of that, you see that they're making it up as they go along for an ulterior purpose or motive. It's always that, uh, Robert, and I think uh, it's not just unique to medicine, this vaccine issue. It's pretty much any anything when it comes to healthcare, finances, you know, rights, governments, you know, whatever it is, it, it's always the, the tactic is very much the same. Mm-hmm. A little bit Easy. of misinformation, perpetuation, some fuel behind it. Get people grumbling and re reintroduce the same message over and over and over again. I mean, you look at the the gun violence and the the crimes that have been committed, you know, and all the blame is being put on the ability of people to carry weapons and they shouldn't have the right to carry uh, weapons. And you know, Second Amendment comes under fire. Why? Because somebody shot up a bunch of people. Which most of those cases, you can't even really prove that they weren't uh, orchestrated and, and staged, but regardless, mm-hmm. you know, it's again, you show not one, not two, not three, but five, ten of these cases, uh, until people gossip about it enough and talk about it enough. And then of course the solution is whatever the solution that's being presented to you. Hey, let's get rid of all, uh, handguns. Never mind the fact that it has nothing to do with the handguns. You know, we should get rid of spoons for the same reason because it causes obesity, but <laughs> let's, let's keep the spoons, you know, so. That, that logical component, I mean, the most logical thing that, that still to this day amazes me when people start talking about the vaccine issue, and, and, and my son even brought this up, my youngest son brought this up, Rahan, we were talking about it. He said, Dad, why is it that if, if they're really worried about people not getting vaccinated, then why are they concerned about the people that haven't gotten the vaccines being affected by the people that have the vaccines? Because if the vaccines really did work, then... Mm-hmm. Aren't we the ones that should be worried about it, not the people that have had the vaccine? And I said, that's exactly right. If you're vaccinated, then why are people saying, well, your child's not vaccinated, you present a risk? That doesn't make any sense. Your child's already got the vaccine. What are you worried about? Mm-hmm. And another thing we covered last hour with one of the moms who's had children who have been injured and decided not to vaccinate at a certain point and stopped, and she was actually on CNN last week debating with a doctor about this issue. And she said after the fact that she found that even after getting repeated doses of a particular vaccine, vaccine, I think this was the uh, pertussis, if I remember correctly, that there were, when in the titer test, there was no evidence of antibody development or response from all the vaccines that had been given. So that, and, and you know, I ask you, how often do people go out and get titer tests after a vaccine to see if they've actually developed antibodies? Never. Never? Rarely, rarely. So how do they even claim that they, quote-unquote, work, even though we know that having an antibody is not a guarantee also of preventing disease? So, you know, the entire paradigm will crumble as we begin to look at it and communicate about it. But their, their arguments against parents being irresponsible, 
right? Freeloaders. You're riding on the backs of all those who get vaccinated. I mean, these are insane words that are used yeah. to make you not think. Responsibility is actually understanding that you are the only safety between um, massive, uh, what is it? I don't even know what the word to call it. You know, you can call it something evil, but mm-hmm. uh, massive ignorance versus your child's survival. And mm-hmm. the bottom line is that if you look at the canine literature in the canine vaccine schedule, even the leading canine vaccine uh, specialist, leading canine immunologist, clearly said that with dogs, when you start to vaccinate them, because a lot of dogs are bred, you know, the breeders will give them vaccines at four weeks and six weeks and all this other stuff. And they say clearly, the immune system, when you look at the titers, only 8% of the dogs that are given vaccines at four to six weeks, which is the normal time that the vet starts the vaccine schedules, have any titers two to four to six weeks out. And, by, you know, after four weeks, if you don't have any titers showing up, you, you haven't had any kind of response. Um, but then when you start doing titers on the dog at eight weeks, uh, you'll have a 16% will seroconvert. And then when you go up to 16 weeks, or I think, I, think, I think it's 12 weeks and then 16 weeks, then you have like 30%, and then eventually at 16 weeks, I think you have like 60% will seroconvert. If you wait till the dog is about five months old and you give him the vaccine, you'll have like 95% seroconverting that they have antibody response. Well, why don't the younger dogs have the seroconversion? Why don't they have the antibody response? Because their immune systems are immature and haven't had the time that's necessary to develop the ability to actually produce the antibodies. Their B cells, the B lymphocytes, the CD19 that are responsible for making antibodies are still immature and are incapable of making the antibodies. So why give a freaking vaccine when mm-hmm. the entire result that you're trying to elicit is impossible for it to occur because the body has not evolved to that point yet. And that's the same. I, I'm not aware of that in the human literature because I don't think anybody's ever done those studies in the human literature, but in, in definitely in canine literature, it's there. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, these questions that are then raised by this, and I think that if you took, if you look at in veterinary medicine what they know about it would definitely apply from the mammalian world to the mammalian world and we've seen observations of that, that, you know, you give a vaccine too early. If, you're, if your goal is to elicit an antibody response, it's not, it's not likely to happen. But the question is, how often does it happen later? Have they done the studies? No. How often do they do the titers to count to see if it exists? And yet they claim success because nobody is manifesting what they claim the disease is, although it can manifest differently in different people because we are not collectives. We are individuals. I am an individual. You are. And your child does not get sick as a group. Your child gets sick or is well because he is healthy or he succumbs because he wasn't healthy enough or he's just dealing with what's normal to deal with as we're growing up and gaining a strengthened immunity for a healthy adult life. And, you know, the argument that anybody should use against the people that are proponents of vaccines is this, that for however many years of evolution that the human species has been on this planet, we have done just fine without the introduction of a paraenteral substance into our body, i.e. something other than the mouth. We, we have done fine. We have survived. Not only have we survived, we've thrived. We've taken other species and made them extinct. We've taken over the environment. We've done enough damage on this planet, so we are the cockroaches of the human world, of the, of the planet, if you think about it, because nothing seems to kill us. So if we have done so well, and we, we've, we've propagated so well, 
why do we need this new thing called a vaccine? And everybody goes around getting flu shots, and everybody needs a, a vaccine for this and vaccine for that and vaccine for cancer and vaccine for, you know, if your neighbor looks at you the wrong way or whatever the case is, everybody <laughs> needs a vaccine for something. It, it doesn't make any sense. It fails logic. I and mean, we look at the spectrum of time, you know, the human species has been on this planet uh, for, for thousands of years. And regardless of which belief, whether you, you know, the creational belief, Darwin's theory of evolution, whatever you believe, regardless, we've been here for at least 10,000 years. And we've done fine. For the last 100 years, we've got the vaccines. All of a sudden now, the human species, you know, needs the vaccine so to be able to survive? I don't think so. No, well, the, the pharmaceutical industrial complex desperately needs us to believe that we need them because their drug pipeline, blockbuster drug pipeline, is drying up. And this is the way that they have guaranteed profits because guess who buys the vaccines? The governments, with, of course, by stealing the money from taxpayers and then forcing their use in some cases or at least the perception of mandate. And then on top of that, absolving those companies of any liability should they harm the victims of the vaccine religion. So it's pretty, yeah. It it sounds like a pretty damn nice scam if you think about it. I mean, they've got it all wrapped up. Well, yeah, and and again, for those that say, well, they don't make that much money on vaccines, it's, uh, yeah, I beg to differ. When you've got uh, billions of dollars that you can throw, I mean, what was it? The pharmaceutical companies, they, it, through Obamacare, they found this out. This is one good thing we, we referenced from Obamacare, some transparency issue. $3.5 billion paid to hospitals and doctors and providers in the last five months. $3.5 billion that were just given to promote the use of their products in five months. That I mean, you know, you think wow. they're not doing well? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and where's your where's your part of that, Doctor Batar? I don't know, man. I would have been happy with just a little ballpoint pen or something. <laughs> I know they're not visiting you. They are not. <laughs> I was I joked on the Jerry Doyle show. I said I'm going to give up on this homeopathy thing. There's no money in it. I'm going to go into big time the the, the pharmaceutical drugs, man, because they're throwing out money like uh, it's just made of out on trees. Yeah, it's it's amazing. They've even passed legislation to prevent doctors from being able to accept and preventing pharmaceutical reps from giving gifts. I know when I was an intern resident, you know, we would get all sorts of things. Uh, they would have incentive trips and books and this and that. And now you can't do any of that. They'll not send you to a CME-credited course and pay part of that, and then, of course, you can be tied into a golfing, you know, weekend or something like that. But they, they can't make those gifts as they used to be able to make them, and, and there was no ramifications. Now they've actually passed laws. You know, what I didn't know was that pharmaceutical companies were not allowed to advertise on TV up until there was a congressional uh, bill that was passed, I guess, in the 80s that allowed them mm-hmm. to do that. But prior to that, it was against the law. Did you know that? Yeah, and, and Noah, I don't think any other country allows direct-to-consumer advertising of particularly the prescription variety, those that you have to go to a doctor in order to get access to. Uh, and, of course... Uh, you know, we're in broadcast media. We don't accept any drug money, pharmaceutical money uh, to do what we do. But there are so many billions being thrown at the TV and radio industry outside of what we do that they're going to lobby Congress hard to never have that overturned, even though it's kind of absurd to say, ask your doctor about. It's like if your doctor mm-hmm. thinks you need it, they, they should say it. So anyway, yeah, that's exactly oh. right. Yeah, we're going fast, as we always do. The fastest two hours of healing on radio, six days a week. And, of course, we start the week off with Dr. Rashid Bittar. It's advanced medicine. Remember, go to medicalrewind.com if you missed one of these special episodes with information you won't get anywhere else. 
Perhaps you'll find it in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. And that is linked up in the show notes as well. We'll be back to wrap it up after this. A little more vaccine discussion. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I remember all my friends out there in Seattle. Be out there, Federal Way, Washington. It, the where is it? Oh my gosh, Bill and Melinda Gates live out there. That, I don't know if I should go, Super Don. I don't. Um, you know, the, yeah, I was just going to say the gates that. of hell are opening for Bill and Melinda Gates because of what's happening in India, and well, I realize I got to go to Seattle. For you, then, if you go there, right? All right, Marlene's Market in Delhi coming Thursday. I'll be broadcasting live, a free lecture as well. And oh my God, Doctor Batar, India. And Bill Gates, this, I mean, this thing could be coming down upon them if the Supreme Court is aware of what they've been up to there. Yeah, the India Supreme Court, this is pretty wild. Uh, of course, what's even wilder is that nobody over here that I've heard of has actually talked about this except for on this show. So that's pretty impressive in itself, Robert, that, that you've got over 10,000 related vaccine deaths in this foundation being funded by Bill Gates. India is looking at it, their Supreme Court's looking at it, and nobody in the Western world has heard about this story. No. Well, I'm probably not a good judge, though, of course, because I don't know what's going on. I don't know. (laughs) Well, no, but you're right, though. It's not making the Western news at all. Uh, In fact, uh, when Jeffrey Ofterheide, our friend from VacTruth.com, got a hold of it, he dug deeper because he had to really, is this really happening? And evidently it is. I mean, there are a lot of deaths occurring there. The Supreme Court is looking at it. There are suits that are going pending to be filed, evidently, against the foundation and all of the foundations that they uh, fund. And, I mean, it, it's stunning the number of deaths. And, and Super Don, you remember we introduced that concept of therapy naive. We covered that many years ago. And clearly they're targeting those in India, the poor in India, for experimentation. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest populations that would be the most susceptible would be the Indian and the and the uh, African populations. And then, of course, probably in the past, I would also put China in there, but I think the Chinese government is a little bit more protective, whether they're doing it intentionally or not intentionally, who knows. But regardless, China is probably not. It's got the, one of the fastest-growing middle classes right now, so they wouldn't fall into that same category. But certainly India and, and, uh, and Africa, they have a lot of people that are unaware and uh, that are impoverished and, and, you know, hunger is a prevalent issue there, starvation and such, and so they'll become susceptible to anybody who brings them some water and food and Mm -hmm. uh, very, very easy target for vaccine uh, experimentation. In fact, what was the name of that movie? Was it The the English Patient or something like that? That was, what was that movie that was talking about the pharmaceutical company? No, the the Garden, something Garden. Oh, yeah, 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 The Constant Gardener. Constant Gardener, the constant yeah. Gardener, that's that right. was quite a, a, a brutal, real film, even though it was sort of fictionalized, but based on, on on very real situations. And people lose their lives over, you know, going over there to raise awareness of this. But it's happening even in Pakistan. There's, a, you know, it's, the, the Gates Foundation calls vaccines one of the best buys in global health. But a government inquiry in Pakistan found the opposite. In 2011, the Express Tribune there uh, published a story for, out of Islamabad, said a government inquiry had found that polio vaccines for infants funded by the Global Alliance for Vaccination and Immunization, that's Gavi, are causing deaths and disabilities in regional countries, including Pakistan. Yeah. And there you have it. Yeah. So what are we doing here in America? 
of course, there is a backlash. And that's what we're covering in somewhat in the media, you know, as they're starting to interview these moms and dads who have these children who are injured. They can't contain it anymore. It's not as simple as shouting people down and telling them they're irresponsible. It's not working the same way anymore. Much to their dismay, much to the dismay mm-hmm. of the um, mainstream medical community. Hey, just under the nick of the, the wire here, Jeffrey Ofterheide joins us from Backtruth, backtruth.com. We were just talking about his uh, article uh, out of India. Jeffrey, thank you for uh, chiming in for even a couple of minutes with us. Hey, Robert, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always an honor. Yeah, and Dr. Batara is here as well. We appreciate your work in digging into this article as well to helping validate the things that are going on around the world from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's a tragedy, and uh, you know, as as they say, you know, it's 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 pretty karmatic. I hope I hope that uh, they take a serious look at what's going on and and how they've uh, these vaccines have uh, have affected the people over there in India. And uh, I hope they they take uh, Mr. Gates to task. I hope they take his whole organization to task. Um, but as you know, um, the money money apparently likes to talk. So hopefully that. Uh, these these uh, folks in these uh, organizations and government positions don't uh, don't cave into the the pressure. That's always right. my fear, I guess, in these cases. So yeah, well, Jeffrey, you're doing such good work with Vactruth.com. I encourage everybody to sign up for alerts there. And Dr. Batar, thank you, my friend, for helping us uh, not only raise that awareness but actually provide other options through the nine steps to keep the doctor away as well. Uh, Robert, as always, I love being here, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, yes, check it out. Go to medicalrewind.com. Anytime you miss one of these, tell your friends. They can catch up. We've got hundreds of hours now available for you. And Jeffrey, backtruth.com, check it out there. You know what we're left with? That one message that I love to tell you. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.